to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett, mike lovett. hello rachel yes this is mike lovett and you are listening to and if love remains i have a good friend with me again in studio mr matt warden welcome to the show matt Hello, everyone. <laughs> I was live treating you, brother. Really good. Dude, I know that's true. I know that's true. We get to play some music today. We get to have some fun today. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah, what, um, yeah, what's happening? Life treating you well? and Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot going on right now. Um, that's true. Yeah. My son just returned from a mission from the church a couple weeks ago, and that's altered life a little bit because now we have to be on good behavior. <laughs> He's going to make you stay on good behavior. <laughs> yeah. We have accountability now, my wife and I do. <laughs> that's good, man. <laughs> I say uh, that all in jest. <laughs> only because it's true. <laughs> it, hey, it is true. You know what? I wanted to ask you because another big event happened I, that I know of is uh-huh. you just, you were just ousted. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you, for a long time, you've been president of um, the Sons of the Utah Pioneers. And just recently, there was a change in leadership. You were, you were, there was a big coup. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but yeah, but it was a, um, I know that that meant a lot to you to be part of that. And, um, and that organization means a lot to you. Talk to me, talk to us a little bit about the Sons of the Utah Pioneers and what that's about. Yeah. Um, the Sons of Utah Pioneers, it's been an interesting experience. I, I got invited about six years ago to get involved in it. And it was an interesting demographic of individuals. They were all in their late 80s and early 90s. And it had been a flourishing and thriving organization earlier in our, how could I say it? Let, let's just say in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s is okay. when this organization really flourished. But the cultural demographic of our society with social media has kind of declined our numbers. And yeah. so the guys that were still involved in it had been involved for 30, 40 years, but they were elderly. And so when I got invited to come in, I was the quote unquote young guy. And you are a young guy. I was. I, <laughs> come well, on. Man. Compared to those guys, I was. <laughs> I was half their age. But I always found the presentations and the meetings to be really inspiring and uplifting. I really enjoyed them. 
And I also enjoyed spending time with those older gentlemen that were more seasoned and mature because as I realized after hanging out with them occasionally that they were all successful in many different ways. They were good fathers. They were good husbands. They were successful in businesses. Uh, they were very active in the church and had served in leadership, both civically and religiously. Um, they, they were very upstanding individuals, but for some reason, we as younger people tend to not, maybe I'm speaking for myself, maybe there are people that do, but we tend to not recognize the value of people that have passed to their prime of life. Yeah. But these gentlemen were such good examples and they were so faithful and so diligent at all of their tasks and duties throughout life. But even within the realm of Sons of Utah Pioneers, they were very exuberant about it. And I recognized that as being something very valuable. And I thought, hmm, this will be an opportunity for me to learn from these gentlemen a better way to be or perhaps it will improve my life a little bit. So I decided that I would get involved with them and they immediately seized the opportunity <laughs> to to nominate the young guy to become the new president elect and so i well got, you got you, you've got energy brother oh yeah <laughs> uh I, what i had in energy i lacked in time but the time <laughs> of what it takes to really flourish it it would have flourished better if i didn't have to earn a living and <laughs> you know and what do all those it? things and, and the sons of the utah pioneers is is um, I mean, I wouldn't call it like a Lions Club. It's more of a, a re yeah, you know, like the Daughters of the Revolutionary War. Like it's a remembering of of the past and and yeah. key, and preserving the ideals of um, what made the Utah Pioneers special. Is, am I describing that right? Yeah, that that is exactly right. Uh, sometimes because it's called the Sons of Utah Pioneers, there's a misnomer that means that you would have to be a relative of one of the Utah, one of the pioneers that came across the plains that settled in the Salt Lake Valley. But that isn't necessarily true. Uh, what we do is we try to propagate the values of what the pioneers had what what was their mental capacity their tenacity their faith their ability to work hard their ability to to have an ideal that they were working towards that was way bigger than them but they were willing to make huge personal sacrifices on a microcosmic level to enhance the macrocosmic whole. And so there are many people that are in today's world that we could consider as pioneers and they're just pioneers in their own little realm. And 
there's a lot of us that are facing things that our history has never seen before. In, in fact, just for an example, navigating social media and mm-hmm. all of the electronics, like what society has ever had to navigate how to function it right. physically and the uh, the psychological and the mental aspects of it as well. Right. So we're all pioneers and we're not sure where this is going to take us, but we're trying to maintain a degree of ethics and morality in it as we go combating those who don't. And so it's kind of a same principle. And so in Sons of Utah Pioneers, we champion the efforts of people that are trying to maintain their faith in God and maintain morality and ethics in in even in today's world. Uh, and we utilize the example of the historical aspect of the saints coming from England and yeah and Ireland and Scotland and all the places that they came from on a perilous journey to the United States. Well, America, it wasn't really. Right, right. Well, the United they had, States. Usually they had to get through the United States yeah, to they get to had, where they were going. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> The United States was in the way, as yeah, it normally it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different topic. Well, um, what are, you know, and I don't want to be too, like, um, Sunday school boy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I thought about like, um, CS Lewis talked about, you know, I, um, uh, well, you know, a, 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 a Christian theme is the idea of a pilgrim, right? Um, kind of somebody on a spiritual journey for himself, trying to find God and, and, you know, going through a process, whether that's physically out or not. Um, and I've always like compared that maybe because they both start with P, but <laughs> I always compared that to a pioneer, you know, where uh, I think of, uh, when I think of a pioneer, I do think of somebody that is literally sacrificing um, something for something that they're not going to see in their generation. Um, I, I don't even think we can understand that concept really. It's kind of like, uh, um, how do you, um, yeah, like we, we, it's like if we were to live and, and, and I'm not comparing obviously pioneers to communists, but, um, I was, I was, I'm reading the white pill by Michael Malice right now. Incredible book. Um, and Ayn Rand and it tells people like, you can't understand what it's because you live in freedom. You can't understand what it's like. I can't even convey to you. You, there's no way you can understand what it's like to live under a tort totalitarian regime in that same way today i don't think we can understand or like our 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 modern mind can't even comprehend the idea of like building something that's going to not just last generations but but we're not going to even see any improvement on but like planting that tree that olive tree isn't going to do anything for us it's all about our kids and grandkids. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think that is a lost pro, uh, thought that, that, that we've, we don't really have right now. We think about what's going to happen the next quarter. 
You know, what are those quarterly earnings going to look like? What are the, um, you know, are we are we are, are we going to sacrifice our children for our, for in many ways for our own health? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, we live in a fast food society, certainly. I I will say though, not to give the pioneers too much credit because I think that they did live when they lived in England it, at the time, from what I understand, it was somewhat oppressive religiously. It certainly sure. was. And so I think that for them, they did seek to improve upon their situation at the sacrifice. So in my mind, I have a question like, well, how bad was it really at that time? Was it really that bad? Well, yeah, because there, I mean, there's different aspects. Like, like there's there. First of all, it's way easy to con- just conform with society. I'm no longer a Mormon, right? You know, I'm okay. I'm gonna give up my faith. I'm, you know, a lot of people did that. And there's they're like, I I, I hate to even begrudge people. Uh, I'm thinking about like, um, uh. You know, Marxist family, you know, who were, um, they were historically Jewish, um, but then they they uh, uh, came to find themselves in Germany in a very Lutheran, and they all became like stout Lutherans, and that's what really turned Marx off to religion. But, but like, I, you, you almost can't begrudge people that be like, okay, I'm just going to conform with society, get along, be, you get along, my, my family will be better, I'm going to have better employment opportunities and then there's people like the pioneers that say well my faith is more important than that yeah um yeah it was an overriding factor it's interesting because like 70 or eighty thousand people in the space of 40 years migrated from the you know from where today's united kingdom is to the salt lake valley it's unfathomable to think of how many people did that. Yeah, that's a, that is a lot of people, and it is you know w- because we're in the culture, we 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 know some of these stories and some of some of that history, but that's never talked about. Like like that migration is one of the most remarkable migrations of all time, and it's not even mentioned in any school. No, <laughs> you know, yeah, it really is not. Yeah, very, very interesting. I think that's one of the aspects that really attracted me to Sons of Utah Pioneers was the focus on faith-driven behavior. Mm, Yeah. And so it it was, you know, I became president of that organization, and then we're technically supposed to only be president for two years but voila covid happened right in the middle of my so i ended up being in there for four years instead of two yeah so they liked you they did (laughs) no no. keep in mind it was dormant yeah most of the time that must have been a really difficult time to like you know to make those decisions of when are we going to get get back together? How are we going to do this? Are yeah. we going to do like, you know, again, because it's not a normal, like, no, the, 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 we were pioneers in that respect. Right. Yeah. Well, and you have people that are older, 
you know, yeah. for the most part. And, you know, making those decisions of like, okay, when are we going to get back together is, had to be, you know, difficult and weigh on your mind a little bit. Oh, we, we spent several board meetings discussing that topic heavily and not everyone agreeing when we should get back together and how we should. But it's pretty amazing how it all happened. And we did it prayerfully. And we did it in a way that was very socially acceptable to everyone. And it was very effective. And it was, I've had many interesting experiences as being president of Sons of Utah Pioneers. One of which was in my mind, I'm asking myself, is this something that God wants? Hmm. Is it something that is valuable to him? And if so, why? The reason why I had that question is because I noticed the the declining attendance. Yeah. Not because of people not coming, but we, during the course of COVID, six of our members passed away. Wow. And so when you're only an active membership of about 30, 25 mm-hmm. to 30 people. And a you third lose, of your people are gone. Yeah. You lose six wow. of them within. Now, none of them were from COVID per se. They were just all in their 90s. Right. So they were going to pass away sooner or later anyway. But I wanted to know how God felt about Sons of Utah Pioneers and what my duty and what my responsibility was to try to propagate that organization. And I was shown in several interesting ways that, yes, it's God's will that the organization and that our local chapter continued. And it was very interesting to know of his will in respect to that he he looks out for all of his little sparrows yeah and it it was really interesting to know of how it it helped me to know god's awareness of every single individual because sons of utah pioneers is very important to those gentlemen is very important to them and it in some ways delineated their personal identification. Right, right. Kind of, yeah. So to have that removed would have been really difficult for them. I'm sure that they would have adapted and, you know, everybody would have liked to sure, go but, on. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, I can see where, where that would be, uh, you know, at some point. You know, am I going to be the one that pulls the plug on this particular chapter, on this particular organization? Exactly. That's a heavy burden. Yeah, I had that looming on my shoulders. And I'm like, wow, well, what do I do here? Yeah. You know, and especially during COVID, because it had an ominous, looming feeling of, wow, this is this organization is struggling. Right. 
And so I had the, to make the decision personally, do I, you know, throw in the towel and fold it up or do I push it forward? And, and then through the assistance of a couple other brethren and just people that I was in association with, we just muscled through and decided, no, we're going to keep moving forward. And there was some spiritual experiences that occurred that indicated that it was God's will for it to keep going. Where it's going to go in the future, I don't know. Right. But in that moment, what you, what they needed to happen was to push forward. Correct. That's, yeah. that's wild. That's great. What, um, what were um, some of the things that you took away or learned maybe about the early pioneers that, that um, you didn't know that enhanced your life? Like, cause I know, I know you, there'd be some sort of, you know, message or people talk about, um, I've been to several of the meetings and, and I've enjoyed all of them. They are really interesting and the yeah. people are wonderful. What, um, um, you know, what were some of your favorite, you know, messages, takeaways, like uh, memorable things that, that you remember from um, from what you learned? Yeah, boy, that's that's pretty heavy question. But in, in a, on a personal level, it's inspired me to investigate a little bit more about my own personal family history. And one of the really interesting things that I didn't know about that kind of gives me a lot of pride is that I happen to be the 13th generation of it, it's been 13 generations since my family on my mother on my father's mother's side the clough line came to America in 1634 oh wow and so they landed in Massachusetts when they sailed over. And what I learned is that the entire reason that they came to America was seeking religious freedom. Interesting. Yeah, they were they were oppressed by the Church of England at the time. And they wanted to worship according to the dictates of their own conscience where in where in england were they did they hail from oh boy that's a good question i don't remember right off okay. the top of my head um i hadn't really studied that so much i know some of my other lines uh the De the, the devonshire but that's from my mother's side okay. and then my on my father's father's side we came from the north uh, eastern part of England, like up in Kent area. Okay. So I've never really studied where the cloths came come from. from. That's so, a good but, question. But they I'll had check that out. But they had so. But they. But uh, what? What were their? Uh, what was their religion? And what were they fleeing? I mean, they were fleeing the Church of England. But what did they believe? Yeah. So they were very. Uh, they were Presbyterian. Okay. And they had the name of, I can't remember what the, something to do with freedom. I, I'll have to, it's been a little while since I've read it. And I, so I got to tell you a story yeah. since uh, okay. Presbyterian. One thing I learned talking to, I just talked to Murray Piddock. Um, he's a Scottish um, 
author and, and historian. And in preparing, um, I'd had him on the show before. Um, and so kind of in between, I'd done some research and discovered that on my mother's side, um, there's a line that came from Scotland. And mm. they, um, oh man, I, I can't remember now. It's terrible. I'm gonna have to look it up. But um, one of one of my ancestors, his nickname was is the Martyr. He was a mm. Presbyterian minister who oh. refused to take a, a, a Jacobite um, oath. And so he mm. was killed for that. Maybe our uh, ancestors were rubbing shoulders. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know like the Presbyterian, you know, that's a real, that's a very Northern England, you know, Scottish yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think it, the cloughs do come from the Northern part of England. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, they probably, I don't know what time period that was, but it, there was obviously was a, a lot of unrest. Well, yeah, time. but you had the, you had the Jacobites that were, you know, Catholics. Um, Cause they, they thought King James had the Royal, had the, had the sovereign right to rule, you know, by God. Um, and cause he was a Catholic. <laughs> and so they were kind of ticked off at the, these Protestants, that yeah. were, you know, whether it was a Church of England, you know, but in and the Presbyterians also. And, uh, you know, so it was a very, but it's a weird, like, like, I don't understand all the religious entanglements yeah. <laughs> that, that went on during that time because, it was, because, because well, it religion was, it, and politics yeah. were so intertwined. Oh, they were. And it was it was really intense yeah you know it, it was uh something that was very important to everyone obviously i mean to drive them to leave their homes their country you know and to sail across to the well some place and they were they been. were i mean they were put to death they were put on trial i yeah. I, I remember reading a one of the trial transcripts of um of some of the people that that were um that were talking about and you know, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, here they are talking. They're literally, you know, on trial for their lives for their faith, and they're just like spitting in the face of these people. They're saying, "You papists, you mm -hmm. evil sons of the devil," and yeah. you know, these are women that are like, just like, put me to death, please, please, put, make me a martyr, put me to death, do your worst. You know, God will, you know, may have mercy on your soul. And it's, I mean, it's just really interesting how, um, you know, to call it how passionate, I think, does a disservice. Like, like how just in their souls, yeah. they, they felt, um, and it's interesting because I, like, would I begrudge the Church of England or the, the Catholic Church? Nothing except for what they did to other people. Right. You know, like. Believe what you want, and and like there's, you know, um, and somehow you know the, the, but 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 don't like you know, don't be crucifying other people because they yeah. want to believe something different. Well, that was the driving force that that sent my family to here to you know what was the new you know the new. I don't know what they what they call it. It was the well, it was the new world. Yeah, the sure. new world. Yeah, yeah. And so 
then, I mean, even after that, like for generation after generation, like for like at least four or five, maybe six generations, it was so touch and go on just on survival. Yeah. Because 1634 wasn't terribly long after Jamestown. Yeah. You know, so the conditions that they lived in there were just, it, it was really difficult for them to, to survive. But eventually as, as things got better, then they still, they like my ancestors fought in the revolutionary war. They fought in the war of 1812. They were always involved with, uh, religious freedom and politics and, and, and liberty of, of their country that they mm -hmm. lived in. It, it was so important to them and generationally. And then one of the other things that I learned is, is that my great, great, great grandpa got baptized in, as he met uh, Brigham Young and, and Oliver Cowdery and they baptized him into the church in 1836. And then he actually participated in the building of the Kirtland temple. Which is, I think that's about when they started building. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it was, he was involved from almost the inception. Of yeah. It. I mean, that's, I mean, the church was founded in 1830. So, you know, you're six years oh, yeah. in and that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's so new. That's amazing. Yeah, and his name's even written in on the record of the people that, participate. Oh, that's in exciting. It. That's cool. It is. It's super exciting. And, and then, so they were really involved. My family was really involved in the migration to Salt Lake. And then my great grandpa, um, helped settle the colonies in Mexico. So they're still down in, in Juarez in that yeah. area, the the, the clough farm well and that'd be another interesting um just because of time i, I want to finish i want to ask this though knowing that learning that about your family um how has that enhanced your life how has that changed what you think about yourself yeah it it has i i have to say i mean that's that heritage and knowing that that's what preceded me, it gives me a, a, a sense of responsibility and duty to continue. I, I don't want to be the weak link in the chain and not, <laughs> you know, and not yeah. continue that legacy that's been going on for, you know, I don't know, beyond the 13 generations back, it, it obviously had been going on for before, before then that was a culminating point and so to to have that really helps me to know who i am on a heritage level however i will say that despite my knowledge of all of that i've still had to be converted to the savior jesus christ and develop my faith yeah independently of all of that i've had to realize and come to know on my own that there is an at one or atonement for me personally 
independently of anything that's ever happened generationally in my family. So it, it's been an interesting psychology to, to separate those two things, but I definitely get a sense of pride as to, you know, who, who I am and who I came from yeah. and, and just how strong and awesome those people were to to do what they did to make the sacrifices that they did so that I today can live a life with liberty and that's a whole nother topic that we could go on and I I think that throughout my life I've seen the decline of our liberty to a degree but then I realized that this is a cycle that's been up and down and up and down right. throughout the entirety of our Earth's history. There's always that battle between good and evil, the the yin and the yang, the the cyclical aspect of society. Well, we we have you know we have to relearn. Every generation has to relearn the lessons that you know. And and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that no. it's just a thing. Like we have to relearn that you know what we have to we have to become self sufficient. We have to learn how to um, rely on our neighbors. Uh, we need to learn, and most of all, we need to learn how to rely on God, who will who, yeah. who will protect us over and above any kind of man made yeah. created um, police state or 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 king or mm-hmm. president like like those are just they're they're like clay pots you yeah. know compared to the protection that that god can give us yes i've really recently discovered the meaning of sovereignty personal sovereignty yeah and with that is my dependence upon god for my existence and my sustenance and despite all of that, I, I could enumerate many, many of the presentations that we had at Sons of Utah Pioneers over the course of the six years that have solidified that in my mind. And that's not to say that any of the presentations were directly about that topic, but it's been the evolution of my personal consciousness as I've been involved with the brethren there and hearing the presentations and having the responsibility of it when I really didn't have any business adding any more responsibility (laughs) to my already overly busy life, but I did it anyway. And, was rewarded. It's amazing how amazing how God makes room for things. Yes, He does. <laughs> and uh, I, it was been a very enjoyable. You'd asked a question, and I did want to say I did learn some things about. Uh, we had a presentation about the Mormon Battalion, and I learned in there that the money that the 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 soldiers got from marching they were then able to use that settlement that they got from the government to buy all of their handcarts that they needed to bring the saints across the plains. Wow. So that aspect in its negativity of we're going to war guys, 
actually turned into be one of the most beneficial things that occurred f- to enable and people to come. Yeah, it to for them to come across the plains had they not have received that huge injection of cash we wouldn't have been able, we we would have still managed to figure out how to do it but it facilitated it yeah in a huge way so the lord works in very mysterious ways and you can never really judge what's going on currently in your life but if you i i recently made a youtube video of that whatever we pray for that it will be consecrated to the welfare of our souls. And in that case, they prayed about going to fight. Mm -hmm. Brigham Young told them, hey, if you guys go, you will not have to fire a shot. No one will die, but we need to go and do this. Right. And then they exhibited their faith, and then look what occurred because of it. That's incredible. It it really is is such an inspiring story. Um, the things that really happen, and and that that battalion. I mean, there there is there's there's the aspect that you talked about, which is huge. But there's also an aspect like the the amount of uh, you know the the towns that were founded, the you know the the places that were discovered, the mm-hmm. the um, you know there. There's so much more when you talk about the Mormon battalion and its history, like you can go to San Diego, Los Angeles, like all those little places. There's a little story behind that yeah. that includes the Mormon battalion. Yeah, and it's huge. Again, it's it's a part of history that isn't that isn't talked about. Yeah. Well, Matt, dude, this has been fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> man, we got a lot more to talk about, but thank, thanks for coming on the show yeah, today, man. We didn't even scratch the surface. No, no. We never do. No. A, it, you can always go deeper and wider. <laughs> <laughs> Me mostly wider. All right, you've been listening to End of Love Remains. You are listening to End of Love Remains. First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. We're trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down.